0: You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good morning. Do y'all remember Galileo? Do you remember this story about this man, Galileo, who proposed this truth that the earth actually rotates around the sun, called heliocentrism, if you really want to get technical about it? And he presented this truth to the church at the time. And the Roman Catholic Church. They were not so happy about this. They forced him to recant because they did not like that what they had assumed to be true, what was their way of thinking, that someone would dare oppose it. And later they realized, actually, he was right. He was right. The, the, sun, or the earth does rotate around the sun. Not everything rotates around us. You know, and he he actually was right. And then the church was very humbled to have to say that was actually truth and we did not listen to it. Have you ever had somebody in your life like Galileo who was not afraid to speak truth to you? Uh, I am married to one of these people and I'm so thankful for him. Uh, Early in our marriage, I had this assumption that when you get married and you have a line of thinking or you're driven by some emotional uh, uh, line of reasoning, that your spouse should just be totally on board with you. And that uh, did not happen. And I remember the first time that I really, I had this whole like emotional drive going on and I had this whole line of reasoning and emotion, heading towards making a decision. When Bradley said to me, Carrie, I don't think that's right. <laughs> and I, I was so taken aback that he would not agree with me. Um, it stopped me in my tracks and he said, like, Carrie, I don't think that's best. I don't think that's best. And as I took that, I was very taken aback and I I went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I don't think this is how marriage is supposed to go. Um, And very quickly the Lord said, Carrie, do you not see that your husband loves you so much that he is willing to speak truth to you when you need to hear it most? When you are heading in a direction that is not my best for you, your husband loves you enough to speak truth. I get this at work too. Uh, I work with a bunch of counselors, you know, and uh, but my assistant, in particular, she is one who will very readily say, mm, "Carrie, I'm not sure that's best," you know, and and she'll she'll get into my line of reasoning, and it requires humility, doesn't it, to listen to someone who who you're going this way and they come in this way, and it it sounds different than the way you were headed, but it is actually truth. It requires a lot of humility. Now, I mentioned I'm a counselor, so I'm going to lay down a bit of neuroscience before we dive into God's Word, because I think this is going to really help us. And our Creator did this anyway, so it's really important we understand it. So you have a limbic system, we all do, and it's kind of seated in this part of the brain, and that is your emotional center. And Often when we are on our own way down an idea, a thought, a decision, a relationship that is not God's best for us, we're driven there by the emotion center of our brain, by things like fear and anger, loneliness, discontent, pride, selfishness. We are often blinded to the truth by our own emotions and we just go headstrong into something that is our own way but we also have this part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is right up, 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 comes over top here, right behind your forehead. And when someone has enough courageous love to speak into us in a respectful, loving, and calm way, they are tapped into their prefrontal cortex, which is where logic and reason and sound judgment and the ability to think things through and truth is seeded. When they speak that into our lives, we have an opportunity to let it connect with our prefrontal cortex and shift us into being able to say, is this God's best or do I need to change my way to match his way? These are the moments in life when our way intersects with the one who is the way, the truth and the life from John 14, six. And if we listen to that truth, it has a way of calming down our limbic system. Our prefrontal cortex gets engaged and we begin to see in a whole new way. We're no longer blinded by our emotions, but we see uh, with a perspe- the perspective of the one who knows what is best for us and for those around us and loves us enough to speak truth to us. Now, one more piece of neuroscience before we dive in. They've done a lot of research on this, and I learned this actually recently, that when we are involved in our emotional center, we tend to look down. There is a downward focus as we're processing emotions. But to engage our prefrontal cortex, we often need to just shift our our body language to actually look up. And by looking up, it engages your prefrontal cortex. It pauses the emotion and it gets you up. Now, isn't this so cool when you think about script? This is a whole message just there. When you think about the scriptures that say, I lift my eyes up to the hills, where does my help come from? my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. They didn't have neuroscience that they were understanding back then, but perhaps they had hills and they realized, when we look up, we feel better, right? There's something different. The perspective changes. We're gonna come back to these uh, pieces as we dive into this story. But I wanna read you a portion of this story. We're gonna read it in two sections in Acts. And the first section is about someone's personal way that collided with the one who is the way. So let's read from Acts uh, nine, one through nine. It says, meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, who was this character Saul? He was a Pharisee. He was very zealous, like very zealous, right? Very emotionally driven about what he believed. He knew scripture and he thought that he was absolutely right in his way of following God by eliminating a movement of people who he thought were not following Jewish tradition. These people who were following Jesus, this didn't fit his tradition. And he thought, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna do the noble thing here and we're just gonna get rid of them. He absolutely thought his way was was the way. He believed very strongly that along his way to Damascus, which is where he was headed, was the right thing. Now, the reason he's going to Damascus is because the people who were followers of Jesus had fled. They had fled because of persecution, because of this man, Saul. And many of them fled to Damascus. Saul found out about this, went to the head um, uh, religious leaders and said, hey, do I have your permission? I'm gonna go hunt them down, I'm gonna arrest them, I'm gonna bring them back to prison and we can decide what to do with them. And they gave him permission to do this. And I think that Saul at this moment thought, I am so angry, I am so angry upset that someone would dare to think different than I do, to have a different set of ideas or thoughts, to trust a teaching that was different than what I know, what I grew up with, what I'm comfortable with, that I am angry enough to go persecute them. And then he also probably had the, thought, the, the byproduct thought that this is going to get me some notoriety. The high ups in the religious realm, they're going to think, man, he's good. He is good. So when he was on his way, Luke tells, or in, yeah, Luke tells us in Acts that he was on his way to Damascus. You hear it, he was on his way to Damascus, driven by his limbic system emotions of anger and pride to do something that he thought was right. Now we're gonna pause this story here for a second and we're gonna go Star Wars. Okay, now um, we roll with Star Wars in our houses. We, we, we use this a lot. Now, how, I don't know how many of you have ever seen The Mandalorian? We got some hands? Okay, now I'm gonna ask you a question um, and I'll hopefully you'll know the answer. What is the saying of The Mandalorian? This is the way. For those of you who have never seen it, you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. That's okay. It, the Mandalorian is a Star Wars character and his saying is, this is the way. He'll often, you'll hear him saying it after he's encountered someone, or he's had a battle, or they are having a deep discussion, this is the way, and he says it very deeply. Um, Now, these Mandalorians, they're pretty stubborn about their way. So they wear this full body armor. I mean, this whole thing, you can't see their face, like this, and it's like impenetrable armor. And they are so stubborn about it, that it even comes up like, will you just take the helmet off? And he will not. Like this is the way, we don't do that, right? So wait, don't ever take the helmet off. I don't know how they shower, I don't know how they sleep. I don't know how they handle the heat, I don't know. Their armor is their sense of security and they are often out avenging people. So these, these Mandalorians uh, really, they, they go with this thing like, this is the way. And I think, I think that if Saul met a Mandalorian, they'd get along. I think they'd be in cahoots. They'd be like, yeah, I like this. I like the zealousness we got going on. I like impenetrable armor. This is good. Um, And I can be fueled by anger and pride. And absolutely. So I think they two would get together and say, yeah, I'm on my way to persecute the, the followers of Jesus. This is the way. I think Saul would absolutely say that. And the Mandalorian would be like, all right, I'll join you. Right? Like, this is the way. So... Let's pause there for a second. Now, the followers of Jesus at this time, they were, called, uh, they were called belonging to the way. Now, they were called that because Jesus had said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so they, they, at that time, they thought, well, what are we gonna call ourselves? We're gonna call ourselves belonging to the way. And you heard Luke reference them, that he, Saul was looking for any who belonged to the way, which meant to Jesus. And so this is, these are the people that he is, is pursuing, is people who belong to the way, the truth, and the life to Jesus. So Saul is on his way to persecute the people of the way, right? The people of Jesus. When Jesus's courageous love for Saul and his followers resulted in Jesus stopping Saul to speak truth to him. Before we move into that encounter, let me just take a, maybe a a licensed moment here to say, I think that if Saul and the Mandalorian and Jesus got in a group to talk I think that Saul and the Mandalorian would both be in agreement that, yeah, this is the way. Anger fuels us, pride, avenging, this is the way. And I think Jesus, very respectfully, very calmly, but very much boldly would say, actually, I am the way. And this way leads to truth and to life, but it's gonna require humility to follow this way. Now, Saul's encounter with Jesus, let's look into this. He was on his own way, he was in the middle of nowhere, headed to Damascus, fueled by his own limbic system of anger and pride. When suddenly, in verse three it says, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and a voice spoke into him. Now, let's talk about this bright light. Uh, this, a lot of times when I've gro- grown up here in this story, you just kind of think God just did it, like spotlight, pew, right on, on Saul. And when we study this, this region of Damascus where he was headed, they actually had this characteristic phenomenon that when the hot air of the plain met the cold air of the mountain range, violent electrical storms would be the result. So could it be that God fully understood how creation works, also understands how the one he created worked. And Saul on his way, in his own way, in his own mindset driven by by these deep emotions could have been looking down, remember that whole neuroscience of looking down, really gearing up for this battle that was in front of him and him taking down followers of the way, of the way of Jesus. God knew there could be this electrical storm, these lights that would flash and it would cause Paul to look up. And God said, I can use that. I can use that. Have you ever been on your way and something abruptly gets your attention? I think this is what God did. I need to get Saul's attention because he is harming my people and he's going to harm himself if I don't get his attention. And so Saul is on his way when this lightning uh, storm goes off and he looks up where he can actually engage his prefrontal cortex with truth. And, and Jesus says, and, and, and Jesus encounters him there and begins to speak to him. Now, I don't, I don't know how God speaks to you. I don't know how he does that, how the Holy Spirit does that. But I have been observing in my life, as I look back, the times I know that I've heard him correct him clearly, when I've been on my way, and he absolutely intersects that with the way, his way, he does not speak overly gently to me. He's pretty blunt. And that doesn't sound like my voice. I tend to be more compassionate and gentle when I speak. So I know when it's blunt, it's not mine. That's him and he speaks it with love, always with love and I can hear it clearly. I don't know how God speaks to you or how he stops you when you are on your way and he says, this is not my way. This is not my way and I need you to follow me this way. But this is what is happening uh, to Saul. So out of this lightning came the voice of Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now he uses a double name. And I don't know if God's ever done this for you, used a double name, but if he does, just know, that is a very intimate calling. In the Old Testament, when there was a double name used by God, that often occurred when someone was interrupted with a divine calling. So if he's ever interrupted you and said your name twice, that's a good time to listen because he has a divine calling for you. So he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he's not saying like, you're the Lord of my life. He's saying, "Uh, sir, I don't know who you are. I, I don't understand who you are. And Jesus responds to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You see, Jesus aligned himself with his followers. He didn't separate himself from them. He said, when you are hurting them, you are hurting me. They belong to me. They belong to the way. And you are persecuting me. Saul was at once stopped on his way with an encounter with the one who is the way. His anger and pride were leading him down this path. And yet Jesus himself shows up and says, this is not the way I am the way the way. So when someone stops you, if someone is being the voice of God in your life and you're headed on a certain way down, ruled by your emotions, and they say, this is not the way, this is not the way of Jesus. It may be that God is saying, where you're headed is not my best for you. It is not my best for those around you. And I love you enough to speak truth into your life. But it requires humility to listen and to go his way. Now, after this interaction, Saul gets up and finds that he can no longer see, and he did not eat or drink for three days. He was without sight and did not eat or drink. Do your emotions, your limbic system, the center of emotion in you, does it ever blind you to the truth? Have you ever been so fueled by emotion you can no longer hear truth? Sometimes we get there and we miss the one who is the way telling us where we go. So Jesus gave him some soul searching days. He gave him three days to say, this is what your emotions are doing to you. They are blinding you to the truth. And humility grew in his heart. Now, let's enter back into the story, and we're going to read now about another man who was in Damascus who was also going about his way and his interaction with the one who is the way. So let's read from Acts 9, 10 through 19. It says, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. was actually, he belonged to the way. He was a follower of Jesus. And he was going along his way uh, doing that, following Jesus, but he was also really afraid of Saul. He was walking along fearing Saul. And while he was on his way doing that, Jesus encountered him and said, get up and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul that he might regain his sight. Now let's let's you know sometimes scripture does not throw in all the emotional response right but it's got to be there because Ananias was human if God had asked me to go to the one who I knew was persecuting those of us who belong to the way to say can I just pray for you to get your sight back oh my word are you kidding me like I mean, I don't know how you would do this with like, sure, God, no problem, I got this. I think that Ananias very quickly, his emotional center got fired and his response was limbic system fear. Very much a fear response to what God was saying to him. He said, Lord, I have heard about, uh, from many about this man, not just one, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. In other words, Ananias was saying, um, Lord, I think you're crazy. This is a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible idea. And I also think that Ananias was probably uh, playing this out in his head, thinking if I go do this and pray over him and he all of a sudden can see, I'm not sure I wanna be the first person that he can see. Because that might mean like I'm a goner. So fear, this limbic system response of fear was starting to fuel Ananias to go his own way, to not listen to the way. But then the way, the truth, and the life speaks into Ananias's prefrontal cortex, shifts Ananias's perspective to one of truth. And he says to Ananias, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. If Ananias had let fear rule his limbic system, he would have missed this perspective of truth that God was giving him. So what happens when we listen to the voice of the way? Ananias actually did go. He humbled himself to this, his way intersecting with the way. And he said, all right, Lord, I'll follow your way because I belong to you. I will follow your way, and even if I'm afraid, I will do what you say, and I will, I will go in truth. So Annas went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. When our way encounters the one who is the way, the truth and the life, we often experience something like scales falling from our eyes. Often when that happens, we can now see a perspective or a new outlook on our thoughts, our decisions, our actions, our ideas, our relationships, even ourselves. We see that in a whole new way. We begin to have a healthy prefrontal cortex that lines up with the one we look up to, the one we follow, his way, instead of just being fueled out of limbic system living, out of whatever our emotions are driven to think, or act on. What about you? Has someone loved you enough recently to stop you in your tracks and speak the truth of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life to you? Maybe you have been blinded by the emotions on your own way. Are you living out of limbic emotions, but is the the way inviting you to live out of truth, out of his perspective, out of his way of handling your situation, out of his way of interacting with the people around you? Has the one who is the way encountered you in the midst of your fear and asked you to do something that would change your perspective and take courage like he did for Ananias? Is there something driving you? The fear is driving you so much that the way, the one who is the way is saying, I have, this is the way, walk in it, go this way. And you're saying, I don't think so. I'm a little nervous about that. Are you missing his perspective? Has the way, the one who is the way, has he asked you to speak truth into someone you love? Has he asked you, would you please be my voice of truth into this person? What might it be like to follow this one to say, I belong to the way, not my way, but I belong to his way. And I'm gonna follow him in his way into truth, which leads to life. And it leads to me having my sight restored so that I see from his perspective. Do you have the humility to hear his way and follow it? Because it always requires humility to change our course to match His way. What, How might His way lead you in a different direction than your personal way? You know, for some of you, you've followed Jesus a long time. But we still get stuck in ruts of our own way. And we're fueled by our own emotions. And He says, can I speak truth into your truth center of your brain? Would you follow my way? And for some of you, you may have never said, I don't think I've ever belonged to the way. And maybe you've been just fueled by all of those emotions your whole life and it just seems chaotic. And maybe this is your moment to say, I wanna follow your way, Lord. I wanna go your way. I want to let truth encounter me in such a way that it causes a radical change in the trajectory of my life like it did for Saul. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so thankful for these, my brothers and sisters. I am also so thankful that you know how you created us. You know how to stop us in our tracks. You know how to speak gently when that sounds different than us. You also now hear how to speak boldly and firmly when that sounds different and that's what we need. You know how to even use electrical storms to get us to look up instead of down into our emotions to see you, to see your truth. Thank you for how you, your way intersected Saul's, who later became Paul and wrote so many truths that guide us to you. Father, thank you for intersecting Ananias in his fear and him choosing to follow your way in obedience. Father, it always requires humility to change from our way to yours, but because you are the way, the truth, and the life, would we be humble followers of you, and would we surrender our way for yours in any direction that that needs to go. Father, we give you praise for how you will lead us and how you so faithfully know us and love us. Would we follow your way, in your name, amen thank you for listening for more information about our church visit limacommunitychurch.com